Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message. So this week, uh, one of the cool things about getting uh, to preach and to teach is that um, a lot of you, several of you, have been... uh, just incredibly generous and letting me know times that you've been encouraged this week or maybe someone's encouraged you or maybe you took a step out on faith to encourage someone and and what happened surprised you and uh, it's just been so encouraging to me to read those things and I want to I want to ask you if you will um, if you have a story like that or even if it's something seemingly small send that to us. We would love to read that and also love to celebrate that with you. And um, even some of those anonymously, if, if you feel comfortable, if you don't, just let us know. But maybe even sharing some of those on social media, because weirdly enough, one of the ways we can encourage others is by letting know how we have been encouraged by others. So we want to be able to share those things. We want to be able to uh, show people um, what, what, what God's doing in other people's lives. So Each week, uh, I told you guys last week, I'm wanting us to memorize a verse together. It's going to be Proverbs 12, 25. If you will, say it with me. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Notice that it doesn't say a positive word. It says a good word. Now, you may think, Blake, this is, this is reaching a little bit, but uh, just follow me down this rabbit trail for a second. R- Paul reminds us in Romans 3.10, there's no one righteous, not even one. And Jesus said in Matthew 11.28, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Therefore, a good word that lifts people up, that gives them that rest, is a word from God. So speaking scripture into people's lives is a word from God. It is a good word. Word And this may seem intimidating to you if you think, we're talking about encouragement. I don't know a lot about scripture. I don't know references. I don't know like exact quotes. I don't know these things. That's a little overwhelming. I don't really know what to do in that situation. Well, I would remind you that Jesus quoted scripture and Jesus would say, you know, scripture said blank. He didn't have chapters and verses at the time. But also, I've known people in my life who, when you talk to them, they talk weirdly familiar. And it's very strange because it's just very, like, I've heard what they're saying before. And then you realize that a lot of what they say is scripture. Now, they're not saying, oh, well, let me tell you what so-and-so verse and -and so-and-so chapter of so-and-so book says. They're just speaking scripture. It's part of their vernacular. It's part of what they say. So part of that is that. And we have to learn how to do that to encourage each other, to uplift one another. Um... So what we have to learn is that to know good words, we have to study good words, which is the most eloquent sentence I've ever said while preaching. To know good words, we have to know good words. Now, obviously what that means is in order to encourage people through Scripture, we have to be in the Word. We have to study it. We have to learn it. We have to let it change us. And in those moments, like I said earlier, it is not up to us to decide what I need to say in those moments. If we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we're asking God to teach us, to help us do 
what we need to do in those moments, he'll be faithful. John 14, 17, 16 and 17 says, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That He is the spirit of truth. Now this is the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot of times like maybe it's just something that, that dwells, in the, you know, dwells in the church or we sing about the Holy Spirit or the Spirit was moving during that time and all of those things can be true. But really what the Spirit was meant to do was to abide in us and to help us. Now, that particular word used there, counselor, can also mean, and maybe your, versions, your version of Scripture says comforter or helper. You see, the Holy Spirit advises, directs, equips, and encourages us as Christ followers in everything we do. But in order to do that, we have to know what it is when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And real encouragement comes as an overflow of our relationship with the Lord. One of my favorite people to learn about, to, to read about, and to study is Barnabas. I love Barnabas. And honestly, as much as we all hear about Barnabas, Barnabas really isn't in Scripture a ton compared to how often we talk about him. The first thing we need to know about him is his name wasn't actually Barnabas. His name was Joseph. Barnabas actually translates into son of encouragement. So imagine that your nickname was encouragement. That's what people called you. That's what people associated you with. What a testimony to have that sort of thought when people would think about you is encouragement. The first time we meet him in scripture, he has just sold a field and he's given all the money to the apostles. He's just laid it at their feet. He was an advocate for Paul when the Jerusalem disciples didn't, or when they didn't believe that Paul had converted. So again, Paul was on the road to Damascus. Paul, uh, Jesus appears to Paul. Paul studies. They bring him to Jerusalem to meet them. And the disciples are like, we've heard of this dude. No, absolutely not. Not even a little bit. And Barnabas goes before them and says, listen, I've seen what he's been doing. He's been preaching. He's been teaching. He's been doing all of these things. You need to meet this guy. You need, to, you need to know him, he, and he needs you. So he's advocating for Paul. He also kind of mentors Paul. We can see where there, you know, Paul's first missionary journeys were with Barnabas, and um, we'll talk a little more about their relationship in a minute. But uh, when he was sent to the disciples at Antioch to encourage new believers, so due to persecution, a lot of the people who were Christ followers in Jerusalem had spread out, and a lot of them would only talk to Jews. But some of them in Antioch began talking to Gentiles and began sharing with them who Jesus was. And these people began to come to Christ. So the disciples left in Jerusalem said, okay, well, we need to send someone uh, to encourage them. So who do they send? Well, the son of encouragement, of course. So they send Barnabas there to encourage these new believers. When there was a famine, we see that Barnabas is helping distribute food to the people. So he's serving people. He was an advocate for the Gentile believers at the Jerusalem council. So a lot of people were saying, nope, nope, people need to be more Jewish in order to be Christians. They need to, they need to abide by the law. They need to do all of this. And Paul and Barnabas went before them and was saying, listen, this is what we're seeing. We should not put this yoke on them. We should not put this extra stuff on them. We should give them the gospel and the gospel only. So he advocated for the Gentiles. He's also an advocate for John Mark when Paul had written him off. So John Mark had went with Paul and Barnabas at one time and uh, had left them and kind of went back to his life. So later, Paul or Barnabas and Paul are ready to go out again. They're going to go to the other churches. And Barnabas goes, hey, let's bring John Mark. 
And Paul says, no, we're not bringing him. That dude abandoned us. There's no possible way we're bringing him. And Barnabas says, I think we should bring him. And it became so heated that Paul and Barnabas actually went their separate ways. Paul with, John, or Paul with Silas, Barnabas with John Mark. And it's also important to note that later in Scripture, we see where Paul talks about how he loves John Mark and how John Mark is useful. So in this particular exchange, Barnabas, who advocated for John Mark, was right. So this is what we know about Barnabas. Again, we see constantly where he's encouraging people, he's empowering people, he's advocating for them over and over again. In fact, when he was sent to Antioch, it says that uh, he, when he was sent to the new believers, that when he arrived and saw the grace of God, then saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to, and he, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. You see, Barnabas was able to encourage because he was a good man. He was a good man because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was filled with faith. And as an overflow of those two things, he was an encourager. So much so that his nickname was Barnabas. People didn't, you say, we need to meet Joseph. Who's Joseph? Oh, the son of encouragement. Oh yeah, we know him. Yeah, bring him with you. This is the testimony of Barnabas that we have, that everything he did was encouraging. Everything he did was to elevate others. And being filled by the Holy Spirit and being filled with faith are built off of one, off of one another. They both continue to build and go up side by side. So being obedient to the Spirit means that we get to experience God work, which strengthens our faith, which leads us to encourage others, in whose lives we get to see God work, which strengthens our faith, which we get to encourage others. So we see that these things go hand in hand. Having our faith and being faithful to the Spirit, being filled with both of them, they build and they elevate us. They allow us to, uh, to encourage others, to give ourselves away to others. Now, if you were looking at me and you're going, man, that sounds exhausting. Well, it's about to maybe get a little bit more exhausting because the key to being able to do this is consistency. Constantly doing these things, constantly working on our faith and, and growing our faith and constantly asking the Holy Spirit to fill us and allowing him to work in us. So how do we continuously encourage others into a deeper appreciation of Jesus? By continuously deepening our own appreciation of Jesus. By continuing to learn more about him, understand more about him. What does he want us to do? What was his heart? What are we called to do as followers? Paul, when he was writing uh, the church at Corinthians, and again, he had had some trouble with this church, and people come in and tried to undercut Paul, and Again, there's no doubt he was, he was frustrated with them, and it was one of those things that if he would have let the flesh take over, he, you, know, it's, you know what, good, good riddance, do what you want. But, again, Paul wasn't a quitter, and we see that in his second letter to the Corinthians, in verse one, uh, in chapter one, three and four, he says, blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction." so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So this word comfort is the Greek word paraklesis, which, again, can mean any of those things. It can mean comfort, it can mean encourager, it can mean counselor, it can mean helper. All of these things can kind of be embodied in this one word. And it's also the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit back in John chapter 14 that we just talked about. 
that idea of you know comfort, counselor, helper, this helper, this same word. This isn't a coincidence. This isn't, oh, well, it just so happens to be the same word. No, this is important. Comfort comes through the Holy Spirit. Encouragement comes through the Holy Spirit. Counseling comes through the Holy Spirit. We are encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and out of the Holy Spirit's encouragement, we are able to encourage others. Last week, we talked about how encouragement is not transactional. So I don't go, you know what, I'll encourage you if you encourage me. No, our primary place of encouragement should come from the Holy Spirit. Now listen, it's very good to encourage fellow believers and it's good to be encouraged by fellow believers. But our primary place of encouragement should be through the Holy Spirit. And as an overflow of that, we encourage others. So true encouragement flows out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. So when we speak encouragement to others, when we do something to encourage others, that needs to flow out of what the Spirit is leading us to do. Now, encouragement is overflow. We have to, we have to understand there's a what, a who, a why, and a how. So the what is God's word. First and foremost, everything begins there. What we know about Scripture, the, most con- or the, the things that we know about God, the most concrete thing we can do is read the Word of God. The who is myself and self-examination. I need to self-examine myself against Scripture to understand maybe where I'm falling, maybe what I'm not living up to, maybe what God says is true that I you know, have never thought was true or what I say is true that God said is definitely not true. The third is the why. What's our motivation And the fourth is expression, the how. My overflow of the spirit in me is given to others. So this is the the pathway to encouragement. So the first thing we have to do is read God's word. All of it begins there. All of it starts there. The word of God that is is life-giving. We have to start there. We have to read it. We have to know more about it. Again, in the most eloquent phrase I've ever spoken from a pulpit, to know good words, we have to study good words, right? So we have to stick with Scripture. We have to read it. We have to read it intentionally. Romans 15, chapter 4, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through encouragement from the Scriptures. Here's the thing. Scriptures is challenging. The Scripture's challenging. Maybe you say, Blake, I, I've, I've read like parts of Scripture that were not encouraging at all. In fact, it was like the Lord was speaking directly to me, and I don't really like that. Yes. Congratulations. You're reading it right. You're reading it the way you are. Scripture's convicting, man. Listen, it is hard to read sometimes because Scripture tells us everything that we are doing wrong. It tells us everything that we're walking through, everything, every preconceived notion. It doesn't allow us, it doesn't allow us to justify what we've been doing or what we do wrong. But if our goal is to move closer to God and become more like Jesus, even the most difficult passages encourage us to do that. So as we read scripture, as we learn more about who God is, as we experience him, it pushes us closer to him. And sometimes that means giving up things that are very important to us, but they're not what's God's best for us. And that is difficult and that is hard. But ultimately, we've got to decide, is it worth doing what God has commanded us to do to give up these things? Is it worth listening to the Holy Spirit and growing closer to God? if I give up these things. So the reading scripture does that for us. It tells us what, it tells us what, we're, what we're experiencing wrong, how our mindset's wrong. 
And it's not only meant to tell us what we need to do, but to help us continue doing that. Again, it doesn't just say encouragement. It says endurance. So to continue to grow in our faith, continue to push, continue to learn more about who God is. And I want to encourage you, when you read God's word, pray for God to teach you. I learned this a few years ago, uh, but, but it, was, it was since I was a pastor. I would sit down and I would read scripture and I learned, I began getting convicted because I wasn't getting nearly as much out of it. And I was, I was what, what is, you know I, know, I know what God's word is. I know what it says. And I know that it's true. So what, what's wrong with me? So now every time I sit down for my quiet time, I open my Bible. And the first thing I do is I pray, God, teach me through your word. Teach me. Now, you may say, Blake, that sounds ritualistic. It sounds, you know, it sounds like that just is kind of a habit. Well, maybe it is a habit. But the fact is, it rewires uh, my brain to understand what I'm doing there. Am I reading it just because I think I should? Just so if one of you come up and say, hey, Blake, are you reading the word? I can be like, yep. Or am I reading it because I truly want God to change who I am? What's my motivation behind reading it? It's the difference between, Father, teach me through your word, and, well, I really do need to start reading the Bible. And we get the most out of Scripture when our reading is guided by the Holy Spirit, which leads us to the second part of the pathway to encouragement. We have to undergo self-examination. And this is, y'all, this is very, very hard to do, and it's very frustrating to do. It's, it's, this is probably the hardest part. This isn't fun. Like to actually say, is what I'm doing right? Is what I'm doing what I need to do? But by reading God's word, we're informed of what is right and what is true. And then we must compare it against ourselves. So I, I heard someone, I don't remember who I've said this, but I've heard several pastors say this, that if I read God's word, if I read the Bible and there's something in it I don't agree with, that is not God's issue, it's mine. And we don't like that because that means if it's our issue, we've got to fix it. If it's God's, that's his to deal with. But I'm called to read it. I'm called to compare myself to it. And again, the central figure of Scripture is Jesus. Again, all of the Old Testament is leading up to his birth. The Gospels are about his life. And everything after is about what we're called to do with what he taught us. And he lived a perfect life. The life that I'm called to live. The life that I'm called to pursue. To live like Jesus. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll be really honest. I'll be very transparent with you on stage. I don't always do it. Now, there are a lot of times when, you know, in situations where I pray, okay, I know what I need to do. I understand what I need to do, yeah. But there are other times where maybe my emotions are in, are, are in me and I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I feel like I've been wronged or maybe I'm just in a bad mood. Again, all of these things can line up. And I say, you know what, I, I, you know, and you just kind of keep your mouth shut in those moments. But Jesus teaches us what it looks like to truly walk like him. And I have to examine myself against what scripture says compared to what I'm doing. So if we are reading scripture and we're asking God to teach through us, that has to lead us to a place of complete honesty. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
That passage also speaks of the word of God as living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword. And all those layers that we put up, all those things that we wrap around us to keep everybody out, to, to you know, push our weaknesses away so nobody knows who we really are, Scripture cuts completely through that and shows us the most honest version of ourselves. So if we're reading Scripture... And we're asking God and expecting God. That's the other thing. We can say, well, I'm just not getting anything out of it. Are you expecting for God to change your lives through the word of God, through his word? Are you expecting that? So if we're expecting God to change our lives and to teach us through it, it will lead us to a place of complete honesty. Honesty with ourselves of who we are. And if you say, well, Blake, that kind of sounds weak or overly sensitive, that's a layer you've put on. And guess what? Congratulations, God's word will cut through that too showing us who we are, where our pitfalls are, all the things that we hold more dear than Christ himself. And the thing is, God already knows more about us than we know about ourselves. God knows us. God understands us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what, uh, what motivates us. He knows everything about you. But in order for us to truly learn and to truly allow God to change our lives, we have to become completely vulnerable to a holy God. We have to give ourselves over to him and not resist him showing us our truest selves as the fearful, broken, sinful creatures that we really are. Hope you're all encouraged. But the one way to get us to that point of actually seeing who we really are and seeing the true need of how much we really do need Christ through that complete vulnerability is through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which leads us to the third place on this pathway to encouragement. We have to establish our motivation while we do what we do. And every person has motivations for everything that they do in life, good or bad. So sometimes our motivations can be good. Sometimes they can be bad. Sometimes they can look really good to everyone else, but we know that they're not the right motivations. And we're really, really, really good at justifying our motivations for everything that we do and then convincing ourselves that our moral code is by far the best one. I have an uncle who will jokingly say, I don't know why anyone would ever want to do anything other than what I want to do. Again, I can, I can appreciate the honesty. But we also are all, always the same way, right? We think that our way is right. We think that what we, the way that I do things is right. Even when we tell people not to do things and then we do them, we can justify it. Well, but, but you just don't understand my situation. You just don't understand what I'm going through, what I'm doing. And listen, that's totally fair. But the fact is, if God's word is what it says it is, then it reveals those things to us. It reveals our motivation, at our best, we realize that we're hypocritical. And at worst, at our worst, we justify our actions. But Proverbs 16.2 says, All a person's ways seems right to him. Fair enough. But the Lord weighs motives. We can convince ourselves all day that what we're doing um, is for the good of of others or what we're doing is what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, if we're not asking the Lord what needs to be done in that situation, if we're not seeking him and saying, God, what, what is, you know, is this best? Then it falls short. It's selfish. It's us doing what we want to do. 
God does not ask if we think what we do is right, but rather is what we do right. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God leads us to do. So after reading God's word and then moving on and examining ourselves, the spirit reveals what truly motivates us. Maybe it's greed. Maybe you just say, you know what? I want, I want more than everybody else. Maybe it's approval. Like we just want people to like us and we just want people to, uh, you know, to, to say he's got it figured out or he knows what he's doing. Maybe it's money. You say, you know what? I want to I I make more money because I want more things or I want more you know, prestige or influence, whatever that is. Maybe it's, maybe it's revenge. And, I don't, and again, I'm not talking like Inigo Montoya chasing after the guy who killed his father, right? Again, you're like, Blake, I don't know if anybody in here has done that. But maybe you live your life in order to prove others wrong. Maybe you live your life and what motivates you is to prove everybody else that you could do it. That's what that is. What motivates us? So the Spirit not only reveals our motivation and shows us that, but the Spirit encourages us toward the right motivation. Galatians 6, 9 and 10, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time. Now, if you're patient, or if you're impatient like myself, this is kind of hard. Like to, You know what? God's timing is better than ours, and he has proved that over and over and over and over in my life, and still I struggle with it at times. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You see, the Holy Spirit realigns our motivation to take every opportunity to do good. Every opportunity. Now, you can say, well, I'll take opportunities, not take opportunities, every opportunity that is given regardless of the outcome, regardless of what I get in return, regardless of what somebody's gonna return to me, regardless if somebody's gonna encourage me back, I take every opportunity to encourage. And then it tacks on the end to the household of faith. Here's the thing, we should want to encourage fellow believers. We should want to encourage one another, church. Our motivation should be to do what is good, which is helping others gain a deeper appreciation of who Christ is and what he's done for us. In every situation, that is what's good. A good. Again, a good word. Everything we say, everything we should do should point others to a deeper appreciation of Christ. Now, if you're saying, so you're telling me like I should just go sit down with people and be like, let's read all the Bible. No, I'm not saying that. So you're saying everything, that I, I, everything I should say should be basically a Bible study. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that everything we should do when people uh, come into contact with us, they should see that we are different. We are motivated by something that is not that most of the world is not motivated by. We are seeking God to do things in our lives that most people don't care if they get done with our, in their lives. We are wanting God to work in us. And what better place for us to do that? What better place to share truly what God's doing in our heart than with fellow believers? Again, we talked about it last week. What if the church was a place where, what if the church was the most encouraging place in the world filled with the most encouraging people in the world? Wouldn't that be great? 
if that's what we talked about, if that's what we shared with each other, what God was doing in our lives. And again, I'm guilty of it too. We no longer talk, you know, our goal is no longer to talk about the game or to talk about, you know, the deer that I killed or to talk about, you know, the vacation I took. But what if our motivation when we walked into church on Sunday mornings was to say, I'm ready to encourage fellow believers and I'm ready for them to encourage me. How would that change our speech? How would that change how we interacted with people? We can only truly establish the right motivation through the Holy Spirit, which leads us to the final part, expression. So, so far we've had God's word, we've had self-examination, motivation, and now we have expression. So the Holy Spirit taught us through God's word to examine ourselves and it has established what our motivation should be. And next, the overflow of the Spirit leads us to encourage those around us. So when, if we're doing all those things, man, we're reading the word of God and we're learning and God is truly, you know, we're comparing our lives to it and no longer saying, well, God needs to figure it out. We're saying, okay, I need to figure it out. God, what, what do I need to cut? What do I need to move away from? What do I need to move toward? We're truly examining ourselves and we're changing our motivation from I really want to make money or I really just want to be, even, even things like I really just want to be the best dad I can be or the best mom I could be. But we truly change it to, Lord, what do you want me to do in this moment? What is best for me in this moment? All that other stuff will fall into place. Being the, being the best parent you can, being the best friend you can, brother, sister, any of those things, that, all that will fall into place. So we, God's word teaches us. It helps, establish, or helps us self-examine. It establishes our motivation. And the overflow of all of that leads us to encourage those around us. Matthew 12, 34, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Now, last week we talked about that uh, when Scripture talks about the heart, it's referring to the ruling center of a person, what dictates everything we do. So therefore, if we are truly being encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it will overflow into what we say to others. If the Spirit really is working in our lives, if God really is teaching things, we can't help but talk about it because it's an overflow of what God is teaching us, an overflow from our heart. If we're truly being encouraged by the Spirit, it's going to overflow into others. That's all there is to it. That's what Scripture says. We'll talk about the Lord if, the Lord, if we're growing in our faith. We'll encourage others if the Holy Spirit is encouraging us. And once again, that overflow and how we, uh, how we express it is driven by the Holy Spirit, which is the common thread through all of this. To do any of this, we have to be Spirit-filled. We have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit does. We have to do the things he leads us to do. So we read God's word and we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. We do a lot of self-reflection uh, and self-examination and we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. We establish what our motivation is and we allow the Holy Spirit to do that. And then we encourage others through our expression of what the Holy Spirit's teaching us. And he guides that as well. A helper, a counselor, a comforter. All of this is Holy Spirit driven. And the Holy Spirit points us to our creator in every situation. He points us to who God is. And true encouragement is a byproduct of our faith in our creator. If we're growing in our faith and we're learning more and God is working in us, then uh, we will encourage others. And it comes from an overwhelming gratitude of what God has done for us. Hebrews uh, 13, verse 15 and 16. Therefore, through Christ, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. 
That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices continually. It says continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. It has to be constant. It has to be consistent. And here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Our flesh is constantly battling with the spirit within us. Constantly battling. And this is why a lot of what I'm saying seems kind of difficult or even radical or maybe even unreachable or impossible to you. And you say, Blake, there's no way. I can't do that. That's our flesh convincing us that we're incapable of being an encourager. We make excuses like, well, that's just not my personality. Or, well, that's just not really how people talk to each other. We don't really express encouragement. Or, well, you know what? Those people already know how I feel about them. There's no reason for me sharing that. Or I don't want people, again, and this, 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 is, this one's feigned humility. I don't want people to think I'm trying to get something from them. Whatever excuse we make, whatever thing we throw up there, it's our flesh convincing us that all of those things are valid. It's convincing us that the Spirit is incapable of overcoming any reservations. It takes power away from the Holy Spirit that God promised us. It takes power away from the helper that he sent us. However, the Holy Spirit not only contradicts that claim, but he empowers and equips us to truly encourage others, pushing aside our reservations and embracing that which we are called and commanded to do. All we've got to do is say yes. Holy Spirit leads me, yes. And again, not to go back, well, I guess to go back. This all goes back to the encouragement that we receive by being in God's word, examining ourselves, understanding our motivation, and then expressing our gratitude. We ask, why am I doing what am I, we ask, why am I doing what am I doing, or why am I doing what I'm doing? But more importantly, we should be asking, why am I not doing what I should be doing? Why am I not walking with the Spirit and taking those steps? And what we should be doing is doing what is good and sharing sharing what God's doing in our lives. One of the biggest temptations to a Christ follower is to convince ourselves that being a Christian only means doing good. Well, I try to do good things for people. Try to do, try to do my best. Try, try, to, try to help folks. Try to do, and again, all that's good. And God commands us to do that. We see that. But in the same sentence, he says that we are called to share as well. If we are not verbally expressing what Christ has done and is doing in others, then maybe Christ doesn't mean quite as much to us as we say he does. What's keeping us from holding back? What's keeping us from expressing that? So what do we do? Well, we go back to God's word examine ourselves, establish our motivation, and express what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. Consistency is key. Continuing to do it over and over again. It's, it's a constant cycle. We never get to the point where we've made it. We've constantly got to be reading the Word, constantly evaluating ourselves compared to what God says, constantly asking what our motivation is, and then constantly expressing what God's doing in us. And the Holy Spirit is leading every bit of that. Finally, true encouragement requires authenticity. This goes back to self-examination and motivation. You see, to get the most out of God's word, we have to truly examine ourselves and establish what our motivation is. 
But in order to do that, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be authentic. So we must ask ourselves questions like, where in my life am I giving myself the benefit of the doubt? Where in my life am, 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 I, you know, am I okay with things because I think it's okay when I do it when others aren't because they don't really know why I'm doing it? Yeah, Scripture says that, but maybe, maybe the writer didn't know what I was going to go through at this point in my life. W- whatever excuse. But ask, where am I being inconsistent in that? Ask, where in my life am I justifying or excusing sin in myself or others? It's hard, to, it's hard to approach somebody with that. Again, we talked about encouragement as anything that pushes people closer to Christ and into a deeper appreciation of who he is, which means sometimes that we've got to approach brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, listen, I know this isn't what God's best is for you. I know this isn't, I know, again, and we, we can all admit this. We all know that at times we have been in points in our lives where we've become calloused to sin in our lives. We become callous to those things. And we become callous to other people doing it, excusing it for, well, maybe that's just them. Well, you know what? I don't really think they'd respond to it. I don't know what they'd say. I don't know. Any excuse. Where in my life am I justifying or excusing sin in myself or others? What things do I willingly ignore that actually affect me? What do I allow myself to listen to? What do I allow myself to, uh, to, to do that I say, well, that doesn't bother me. It's fine if I do it, but actually it does affect us. And also, what excuses am I making for not being faithful to spend time with the Lord? Listen, I'm, I know a lot of busy people. I'm busy. I've used that excuse before. I've, I, again, maybe, maybe some folks in here who are retired, maybe some of you would say, yeah, I got time. Most of us would say we're busy. We've got things to do. Well, man, it's, I've just had a lot to do today. I had a lot to, you just, you just don't even know. One excuse is as good as the next, which isn't good at all. So asking ourselves those questions. And if we are growing in our faith, following the Holy Spirit and truly wanting what God wants us to do, we have to be honest with those questions. We have to be honest we have to be at a place where we can fully express those things, fully ask God to work in our lives and those things. We have to be authentic. Now, imagine that you've just answered all of these questions. You've just walked through all that, and you're at this place where, again, you are just broken. You are just at a place, I don't, Lord, I don't know what to do at this point. Imagine you're there. And imagine if someone came along who just so happened to know all the answers to those questions and they said, you know what? I struggle with those same things. Let me show you what God's taught me through my struggles. Let me show you what, through this whole process of what you're going through, what you're going to feel, but let me tell you about what God does after it. Let me tell you about how beautiful the grace of God is. Despite how you feel now, despite realizing how sinful you are, how broken you are, despite all that, let me share with you what God does for those who love him and who give those things up to him. You see, there's no longer hiding sin. There's no longer putting on you know, layers to try to, to try to push away and to not let people really see who we truly are. Imagine somebody came alongside and just said, hey, you know what? I'm with you. 
I'm with you. Regardless of what you're going through, I'm with you. And you weren't worried about, well, who will they tell? Well, who will they, you know, who will they share with? What will they think? Nope, none of that matters. I'm with you. That's what real encouragement is. In order to be true encouragers, we have to be authentic with ourselves and then authentic with others. Imagine if we didn't care what people thought about our past or our sin that we've already walked through and that God's forgiven us of. Imagine if what, what it would look like if, if when we came to people, we came to them wanting them to come alongside us. Not, not just, again, not unburdening ourselves so that we feel better about ourselves, but unburdening ourselves so that brothers and sisters could come alongside of us and help us to become better, to grow closer to the Lord. That's what true encouragement is. And when we're authentic with ourselves, the Holy Spirit encourages us. When we're authentic about how the Holy Spirit encourages us with others, that encouragement overflows and encourages them. So I want you to ask yourself these questions. What overflows from your heart? What overflows from your heart? What do you talk about? What do you think about? What do you spend time, money, effort, all of those things in? What do your words say about who you are? How you speak, your tone, your words, uh, your timing, everything. What do your words say about who you are and what you value? And finally, what do people think about you when they meet you? Now, we can say all day, oh, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. You should. You should. Later in Matthew 12, 37, Jesus says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. You only say words that uh, maybe keep your fear at bay. Like, I don't want people to really know a lot about me, so I'm going to say what I can to get the attention off me, push those people away, don't want to discuss that. You only say words that get you what you want. I'll say anything to make sure I get what I want in that moment. Maybe you say words that make you feel superior to the next person. Maybe you're just an unhappy person, and to see someone else unhappy is unacceptable, so I'm going to say something to bring them down to my level because if I'm not happy, they shouldn't be either. Maybe you say words that help you avoid conflict. You know what, I'll say anything I can to just kind of, to not have to deal with other people's things or to have to, you know, be that person who's in an awkward situation. Jesus said in that same passage that we will have to account for every careless word we speak. And as someone who says and has said a lot of careless things in their lives, that's a little bit terrifying. It makes me think, Lord, what am I saying that's worth it? What am I saying that's, that's worth anything? What am I saying that's building others up? Am I saying anything that's building others up? Which leads me back to, Lord, what is my motivation? Which leads me back to, God, am I so wrapped up in my own stuff that I'm not even, you know, used your word to look in my heart and to see where I'm at? If you will bow your heads. I want, you to, I want you to think about this for a minute. 
do the words you say matter? The answer is yes. Now, how they matter is a different thing. Are you saying words that undercut people, that, that undercut unity, that, that really bring people down, that, that hurt people, um, that, that frustrate people, that really take, um, that, that do the opposite of inspiring people, that just let them know that they shouldn't even try? Or do you say life-giving words? Do you say words that elevate people, that lift them up, that speak life into them, that, that make them want to, uh, that make them want more of what you have, whatever that is? Are your words important? And I'll go as far to say that any words that we say that are not encouraging someone to lean in the Christ, that to lean into Jesus Christ are careless. Anything that we say that even just a little bit undercuts the message of the gospel are careless. Whether they're posted online, whether we say them face to face, whether they, we say them behind someone's back, whether we say them in such a way that um, may not on its surface be what we int- or may on its surface not be bad, but we mean it to be a little bad. Regardless, anything we say that do not point people closer to the Lord are careless words. Are we using our words to, to lift people up? If the answer is no, why not? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in everything you do, to everything you do and everything you say in, in your actions, in, your, uh, in, in anything? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to encourage you, to lift you up? Are you asking yourself, God, where in my life Where in my life, what are the things I'm holding on to that I need to give up? Are you asking yourself, God, what do you want me to do in this? What should be my motivation? God chose his people to be the primary methods by which the gospel would go into the world. God chose us to do that, to encourage others to show people who he was, to show people who Jesus is. And again, just like the team in Africa who baptized eight this morning, amen for that. God called us to be faithful to the opportunities, every opportunity to do good and to speak about what God has done for us. Not only just to to friends who were close, not only just to our, our spouses or our kids or our parents, not only to those people, but to speak life into people, period, as an overflow of the life that has been given to us by God because of his son who came and took all of our sin and our shame and all of the junk in our lives, put it on his shoulders and died because there was no way that we could be reunited with our creator. He did that so that we could be reunited with him. What better thing to talk about, church? What better thing to say to people? What better thing to speak life into people? What better thing to dwell on, to have in our hearts as an overflow of our hearts into others? What better thing? What should push that out of the way? What should come first? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Anything in our lives, regardless of what excuses we make, regardless of any of that stuff, none of that matters compared to what God can do through us if we are faithful to keep him first in our lives. 
And that's my prayer for us this week. That's my prayer for us, not only for the people in this room or watching online or, or the team in Africa or anywhere, but our prayer for every person who calls themselves a follower of Christ is that we live lives of encouragement. We build people up. We encourage them. We're the most encouraging people in the world, not because we just want people to be around us, but because our God in heaven has saved us from our sin and saved us from the things that we couldn't save ourselves from. Thank you, Lord. Father, give us the courage to speak in such a way that we make our words.